Reservations have begun for digital quintuple stimulus vouchers. Citizens, their spouses, permanent residents and diplomats can now go online to set up virtual vouchers worth 5,000 NT. On Wednesday morning, users rushed to the official website at 9 o'clock on the dot, leading to crashes and lags that lasted for more than an hour. At 9 o'clock in the morning, voucher registration got off to a rocky start. The website failed to load again and again, and successful attempts took at least 15 seconds after clicking go. Satellite websites managed by banks and mobile payment companies also collapsed from the heavy traffic. It was a mad dash to be one of the first 4 million people to receive a 500 NT food lover voucher. I won't register today. It's too much trouble. I'll wait a little longer when the rush dies down. If you haven't gotten a food lover voucher yet, there's still hope. Economics Minister Wang Meihua says there are plenty to go around. You can't even get on the official voucher website, the official quintuple stimulus voucher site. We'll troubleshoot all issues that arise. But I also want to tell everyone that there is no need to rush. There are 4 million food lover vouchers. To keep the website functioning, traffic management controls were imposed right away. As of 10 a.m., the website had been visited more than 880,000 times, with more than 210,000 users completing their digital registration. They were also able to enter raffles for bonus vouchers. The most popular was the agriculture voucher, with 496,800 entries. That was followed by the domestic travel voucher, with 494,000 entries. The third most popular was the the Arts Fund Voucher with 480,000 entries. Registration for the raffles will be open until October 29th. Voucher registration is also available at electronic kiosks in convenience stores. In a new feature, multiple people's vouchers can be linked to a single electronic payment method. The deadline for doing so is October 1st. Today, I loaded the vouchers of two family members. This way, we can go together and buy some things that we need for the house. This feature is very handy. We'll use the food lover vouchers to go out for a nice meal together. To load the whole family's voucher onto a single account, the account holder must first set up his or her own vouchers. After that, other people's vouchers can be added by submitting their NHI cards to the system. This new feature, called group linking, aims to consolidate spending power for a greater stimulus effect. School inoculation got underway on Wednesday with five cities and counties administering the Pfizer COVID vaccine. A handful of teenagers experienced fainting or dizziness after inoculation. Experts say these symptoms are due to the fear of needles and not to safety issues with the vaccine itself. To reduce the risk of post-vaccination fainting, students are advised to sleep well the night before and avoid getting a shot on an empty stomach. She's the first in Taiwan to receive the Pfizer vaccine. Here at Taoyuan's Daoyuan International Senior High School, this student is the picture of calm, but she says that today she's a bundle of nerves. It was the first day back at school after Mid-Autumn Festival. In Taoyuan, Taipei, New Taipei, Miali and Tainan, it was also the first day of school inoculation. In Taoyuan, there were two schools that each reported a student with fainting or dizziness after vaccination. Both had a history of needle phobia. It's believed that their symptoms were due to the jab and not to the vaccine itself. 
over in Taipei, Mayor Ke Wenzhe inspected the inoculation drive at Yuchen Senior High School. He called on students to not abuse vaccine leave. You can take up to three days off, but that doesn't mean you absolutely have to take three days off. That's on your conscience. In Taipei, two schools administered vaccines to 1,281 students. By the afternoon, 235 of the students, or about 20 percent, had requested vaccine leave. Over in New Taipei, there was no need to request vaccine leave. For two days after inoculation, classes at every school in the city must be conducted remotely. For two days after inoculation, students should monitor their health. Teachers will continue looking after the students online. Vaccination began in Tainan in the afternoon. Mayor Huang Weizhe headed over to Ziji Senior High School to oversee the process. Several students experienced fainting or dizziness after injection. Overall, the rollout was smooth, although about a dozen students declined their shots due to their fear of needles. Experts say that mass vaccination events can trigger the collective occurrence of fainting or lightheadedness among teens. They advise lowering teens' anxiety by limiting the size of groups being vaccinated. Indeed, the UMI matching vaccination style is more suitable for older adults, and especially for people with reduced mobility. For younger people, such as students, ways to avoid fainting are eating before inoculation, getting plenty of sleep, and staying calm. About 1.29 million students have submitted consent forms for getting a Pfizer vaccine. That's about 93.1 percent of all students. To reduce the risk of fainting after injection, the CECC recommends eating and sleeping well and trying to stay relaxed during the jab. Taiwan will reach 70 percent one-dose coverage by the end of October. That's according to the premier who delivered an inoculation progress report to lawmakers on Wednesday. He said that once all orders are filled and all foreign donations received, there will be enough vaccines to give three to four doses to every person. This week, we'll simultaneously administer the three vaccines of Moderna, Pfizer and AstraZeneca. Our vaccination rate is expected to reach 70 percent by the end of October. The Premier says first-dose coverage will hit 60 percent by early October and 70 percent by October 31st. Second-dose coverage will approach 30 percent by October 31st. On his first day back at the legislature, Su delivered a report on Taiwan's vaccination program, tallying up all vaccines from purchase orders and various donations. He said Taiwan will ultimately receive more than 82 million doses. That's at least three shots for every person, he said. He also said the government would take responsibility for vaccine recipients who died due to adverse reactions. With more than 13 million doses administered, it's impossible to not have anything go wrong. The government will certainly not evade responsibility. An opposition lawmaker slammed the health chief for Taiwan's low second-dose vaccination rate. Our control of the epidemic is relatively good globally. We do have a relatively low rate of second dose coverage. This month and the next, we will throw ourselves into catching up. The health minister also defended the so-called 3 plus 11 quarantine policy for pilots. He emphasized that the policy had not caused the COVID outbreak in May. The pilots who complied with the 3 plus 11 policy, I saw in your report that not one of those pilots was the source of community transmission. Is that correct? 
Not one. They only pass the virus onto their family members, their wives or children. During the interpolation session, cabinet officials took questions top of mind with the Taiwan public. Taiwan reported one new local COVID infection and six imported cases on Wednesday. The local case was a woman in New Taipei who tested positive while in isolation. The CCC suspects she was infected by previously diagnosed family members. But antibody testing will be conducted to rule out other possible sources of infection. Also on Wednesday, the CCC reported one new COVID-related death. This was a Taiwanese man who died from the Delta virus after flying in from Vietnam. During his 14-day quarantine, he developed a fever, a sore throat, and eventually severe pneumonia. So far, he is Taiwan's third death from the Delta virus. Since the pandemic, more people have been experimenting with DIY home re renovations. For most of the news reporter, Stephanie Yang spoke to an interior designer who get tips on how to get started. He slowly paints the wall, adding a splash of color. Thanks to the pandemic, many in Taiwan are trying their hand at wall painting. Installing flooring is another popular project. The pandemic has caused a surge in home renovation projects. For people who want to renovate their home themselves, an interior designer has some tips. There are actually many suggestions for getting started. For example, the largest area is the wall and the floor. So start at any point between the wall and the floor to achieve very different effects. Add some color or install a wooden floor. These are things that will completely change the texture and vibe of the room. Interior designer Allison Xuan says that business has been brisk throughout the pandemic. However, there was a slight drop in sales during the Level 3 alert. I found that the online DIY market increased by nearly 50% online before the COVID Level 3 alert. But offline, because construction could not get underway, or people were trying to avoid that, there was a small decrease of about 20%. Then, after the alert lifted, currently online business is back to its usual level. But physical construction projects are back to normal too. In fact, it's even better than before by about 10% to 20%. Targeting the rise in DIY home projects, this store provides consultation to customers who want to remodel their home themselves. Guests will come to the exhibition room to first take a look at how their space can be transformed. A main service is to help with transforming the lighting and the walls to help them get a style they like. Guests will first make an appointment online. After booking the exhibition room, they will provide photos of the current space and the dream space that they want. And then our on-site planner will help them plan their dream space. They can choose to DIY their space or hire our designer. The price ranges from 3,000 NT to 3 million NT. Another trend that's risen over the past few years is experimental retail, such as interactive exhibition rooms at furniture stores. This interactive room lets customers get a feel for the handrails and to see if the bathtub is safe for older adults to use. Store workers are on hand to answer questions and to explain to customers how to assemble the furniture. With no end in sight to the pandemic, furniture stores are gearing up for continued business from the DIY trend. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Chen Shenhan in Taipei.
Palau President Sir Rangel Whips Jr. called for Taiwan's inclusion in the UN on Tuesday in his address at the United Nations General Assembly in New York. During his speech, he thanked Taiwan for showing leadership in the global pandemic response, and he asked the UN to allow for Taiwan's meaningful participation. Palau would like to thank all our international allies and friends who came to our aid during this difficult time, especially the United States, Taiwan, Japan, and Australia. At the general debate of the United Nations General Assembly, President of Palau, Surangal Webbs Jr., thanked his country's friends and rallied support for Taiwan. We would like to highlight the Republic of China, Taiwan's leadership in the global response against COVID-19. Their leadership has also extended to Palau. Taiwan's international response facilitated cooperation and implementation of an effective sterile travel corridor between Taiwan and Palau. We encourage the UN system to accept Taiwan as a valuable contributor to our collective efforts and strongly advocate for Taiwan's participation in the UN system. He brought up the Palauan surgeon fish, which graze alone but band together when there's danger. He said that the world, including Taiwan, should be like the surgeon fish in times of crisis. The nations of this world must act like the surgeon fish and come together, including Taiwan. Taiwan's 23.5 million people must also be given a voice. Of course, we hope to return to the UN under the name Republic of China. We also ask for support from the US and Japan, and especially the US, as it is one of the five permanent members of the Security Council. What they say certainly carries more weight. Political figures of all these countries, including those in the European Union, are supporting Taiwan. It's support for human rights. But more importantly, it is support for the people, for civic literacy, and for Taiwan's key position in the world. Besides expressing gratitude, our country must stand united. Only when we are united can we make our way out into the international community. Taiwan lawmakers had differing takes on Palau's endorsement of Taiwan at the UN. A former Taiwan lawmaker has accused the Council of Agriculture of applying double standards in its dealings with China. The ex-legislator said that when New Zealand banned Taiwan's lychee and mangoes in June, the COA expressed respect for the decision. But when China banned Taiwan's wax apples and sugar apples, the COA threatened to sue, he said. The COA has emphatically denied the charge. The one applying double standards is China, not Taiwan. We are dealing with the New Zealand issue, which is a very different matter from China's fruit inspection. The issue with New Zealand involves fruit flies. It's a coddling moth, which grows inside fruit. The risks involved with that are much greater than that of scale insects. Most countries in the world have adopted import restrictions against fruit flies, but no country has ever used the issue of scale insects to restrict imports. In the past, China also banned the import of Thailand's longan fruit because of scale insects. After the relevant data was provided, trade was restored. Why is it that Taiwan gets a blanket ban? I think that this is a typical example of how it is China applying double standards and not Taiwan. The minister said New Zealand suspended Taiwan's imports only after engaging in talks with Taiwan. But China had rejected Taiwan's fruit altogether with no communication. He said that Taiwan was fully prepared to support its farmers with help in marketing and product processing.
Anyone can be a singer with just a little practice. That's the message from two YouTube stars whose online singing classes have exploded during the pandemic. Singing teachers Orange and Elena have made a career of their online coaching, which they say can help anybody perfect their voice with just a few precise tweaks. At 26 years old, Orange is making over 1 million NT a year as an online singing coach. We hear what the student thinks as well as listening to the product. It's not just listening to the song and that's it. The song and the thinking have to be consistent to produce the right sound. Orange committed to his singing studies at the age of 18, spending six to eight hours every day honing his skills. After graduating, he decided to focus on his YouTube channel, bringing in Elena as a live stream coach with extensive competition experience. The resonance, the breath, the mouth shape, and of course the emotion. We see what state the student is in and what they're missing. For example, their breathing is unstable or they can't get the resonance. Then we get them to practice that element. The coaches have developed a formula. They say everyone can be a singer by working on how they produce their voice. Their videos demonstrating various skills attract many students. In-person and online classes are not that different, really. I think the main thing is the interactivity between the teacher and the student. Although classes have all been forced online during the pandemic, students are still full of praise. Orange's YouTube channel has exploded with almost 230,000 subscribers, and that has pushed up the net worth of the two young teachers. I never thought that teaching singing could become a career for me. But now we've been doing it so long, our annual earnings are around 1 million NT or more. It's a tough job, with working days at least 10 hours long. But Orange and Elena are energized by doing what they love and getting paid well in the process. What was your passion as a child? Many kids love cars or trains. For some, tractors or buses have a special appeal. Let's meet Geelong's youngest bus driver, who as a kid 20 years ago was already thrilled to go bus watching in his free time. After five years warming up by driving coaches, He's finally landed his dream job. A row of adorable little model buses with a route marked clearly on each windscreen. On the side, pictures of the sights of Jilong. These toys were all made by Jilong's youngest bus driver, Lin Hong Yi. Ever since growing up in a remote area with poor public transport, Lin has loved buses. Because when I was small, the transport on the mountain was very inconvenient. There was only one bus an hour. I thought driving a bus must be cool. 
Whenever little Lin had time, he'd take his dad's SLR camera down to the bus stop to record the vehicles. In time, his passion became a livelihood. He got his coach driver license at 20 and has worked for many coach companies. After five years on the road, this year he successfully passed his bus driving test, making him Jilong's youngest bus driver at just 26. It's the spirit of service of the civil service. I hope I can keep serving the public. If you're on the early shift, you have to start work at 5 a.m. For the late shift, you only get off and go home after 1 a.m., so it's pretty tough. But for a little boy who always had dreams of the steering wheel, it's just the thing. Lin brings wholehearted passion to a job that keeps all of us moving.